Regular season finale for the Minnesota Wild goes the way of the Winnipeg Jets. Kirill Kaprizov scores his 40th. We take a look at all the action on tonight's Locked on Wild postcast. You are Locked on Wild postcast, part of Locked on Sports Minnesota, your team every day. Minnesota Wild fall 3-1 to one in the regular season finale at XL Energy Center. And now one game remaining in the regular season. Seth Topal joined at XL Energy Center by Kevin Gorg. Kevin, the Jets needed this one tonight. They desperately needed this one for postseason positioning. And uh, it, it showed. They, uh, they did some really good things. They got a couple of rebound goals early. And uh, it took until about the third period for the Wild to, uh, to start to match some of that physicality. Yeah, I thought the start was okay by Minnesota. They actually outshot the Jets pretty handily in the first period. I think 12-4 at the end of the first 20, but they, uh, the Jets did a great job of lassoing a couple of rebounds, being gritty around the net, and I think from the first period through the second, but most importantly in the third, they got a great game uh, from their goaltender, Connor Hellebuck. He's a warrior. Uh, he plays a ton of minutes. He's, I think, third in the league in total saves. He played last night, second to back-to-back. He was brilliant. The save he made on Zuccarello down the stretch with the paddle is one of the greatest saves of the season. Yeah, and you look at a team in the wild who had, I think it was three different shots with the net open that just hit either the post or just got a piece of Hellebuck. So it's not like they, they had golden opportunities. It's just in this one instance, maybe the f- one time out of 100, that you don't end up getting those goals. No, and they didn't get some bounces tonight. And I think just talking to Ryan Reeves here downstairs, ice level, a few moments ago, um, he's a veteran that's been to a Stanley Cup. He says, you don't want the bounces in game number 81. You want, you want them when the playoffs start. So maybe some of that will come back the other way when they start most likely on Monday next week. We know now they're going to be the three seed. We know now, at least in the division, they're going to be on the road. They're going to have to play two series within the division. Odds are they end up in Dallas, but uh, either way, they're going to have a tough matchup in the playoffs, and I think they're going to welcome it. I like what, I like the energy. I like the grit I saw in the period, uh, the final 20, and I think they can carry some of that over, whether it's Thursday to Nashville, more importantly, to the weekend when they travel and get ready for the playoffs. We saw Kirill get his 40th goal of the season here, uh, first wild player in team history to get two seasons of 40 goals, and uh, great to see him continue to do his thing. It's just Oh, Hellebuck was the better guy tonight. He was. Hellebuck was awesome. Um, this is a guy that, when he's on, he's as good as anybody in the world. He's a big goalie. He's athletic. He uh, he made some just remarkable saves. That was an important goal. You could see by the celebration that Kirill had that that goal really mattered. Also, I think, you know, lost in the shuffle is it's a power play goal, and they're trying to recover right now at the end of the year, Seth, without Jewel Erickson. He's so valuable in so many situations, but one of those areas where he's been so, so good is the net front he brings to the power play. And their power play had kind of sputtered here the last couple of games. To get that power play goal as they kind of reshuffle the deck and try to build some momentum into the playoffs, I think that matters because I don't think we're going to see a lot of the, the top-line guys in Thursday in Nashville. I guess we'll find out. Uh, as we head there tomorrow. But uh, if this indeed was the last rest rehearsal, that power play goal probably gives them a little wind in their sails for the playoffs. I think they're still trying to sort out all those penalties uh, down the stretch <laughs> in the third period. couple fights, couple of a uh, couple of hits right along the boards. But, you know, it, it was fun because it was something that got the crowd engaged and it seemed like it gave the Wilds some jump there uh, at the end. But, you know, these are two teams that have quite a history together and so we saw some of that, some of the frustration, I'm sure, 
from the uh, the hit that Logan Stanley had on Kirill. Yes, obviously sure. not obviously not one that was intentional, but one that obviously changed the course of the season. So we just saw a lot of that boil over here today. Only thing I was worried about coming into this game it was it's always a rivalry game with Winnipeg. It always seems to get nasty. Can you keep your guys healthy at the end of the game? And I think that hit that Pionk put on Johansson really sombers the mood. Um, and now that's a question mark moving forward. Um, that was a dirty hit. It was a five-minute play. And, you know, for, for Dean Evison in the wild, um, that was the one risk you had. Final home game of the year, wanting to go out there and for fan appreciation night, put your best team on the ice, give your team a dress rehearsal. Because it was Winnipeg, because they're in this situation where they're desperate to get in the playoffs, you knew at some point it was going to get silly, and it did. And if now the Wild lose Johansson, that would be a real problem. Yeah, and, you know, I don't want to speculate as to uh, to what happened, but it did look like Johansson took a little time to try to collect himself, did end up skating to the bench, but obviously – we won't know until tomorrow and beyond how his status is. And obviously, Sam Steele, too, uh, did not uh, play down the stretch. So a couple of losses that would be pretty big for this team if they're not able to return. You hope at this point that it's uh, precautionary. I think Jesse... Sam Steele's sick. Okay. Sam Steele was ill at the end of the game. So there there we go. But um, obviously with Johansson, we got to just wait and see because what he's done for the second line and what he does on almost a nightly basis with some of the plays he makes, that'd be a major loss. Yeah, what he's brought to that line with, with Matt Boldy, and, and they've continued that even without Act now that Freddie Gaudreau is up there. We see him in shorthanded situations. We see him in power play situations. He is a player they can ill afford to lose, and I think it was good that he didn't come right off the ice. He kind of hung out by the bench. I was down there getting ready for my postgame assignment on the ice with the jersey off the back promotion tonight doing some interviews uh, directly when the players uh, came out to give out those sweaters so I'm not going to speculate I just uh, fingers crossed that it's uh, it's a minor setback I doubt we'll see him play in Nashville I think you're going to see a lineup very similar to what we saw in Chicago put these guys in bubble wrap your star players keep them fresh it's been a grind of a season they've dealt with a lot of injuries and with Eck out now and and with Sunquist day to day you just can ill afford now to continue to have bodies go down they've got depth but they're losing some of that depth with what they're dealing with right now so we'll keep our fingers crossed that the 90s okay we'll talk a little bit more um, to finish about Nashville now that they're out of the playoffs uh, some of the lineup but I uh, lineup things but I did want to talk about um, Matt Dumba a little bit here. He was honored after the game, and you know this was something that I, I saw on Twitter that obviously may have been in his mind, may not have been, but with his status going into the offseason, you never know. This may have been his final regular season home game. And show, so a guy who's been here as long as Dumba has, you know, those are the kinds of things, too, that, that go kind of slip between the cracks is that you've got a guy like Matt Dumba who maybe has played uh, one of his final home games. Yeah, and he's just such a special guy. You know, I think um, I've been blessed to have this job for 17 years, so I've seen a lot of these players like Dumba and Spurgeon from the first day they started with the Wild to where they are right now, both great leaders in that room. And I think of Matt Dumba, I, I think of the hockey player he is, for sure, he's terrific, but I think of who he is behind the scenes. And some of the stories we've bumped into over the years, I know the one that he didn't want to get out a couple years ago in a big winter storm. A family uh, has a car that's marooned on the side of the road, flat tire. Uh, late at night, Matt's driving home from a game. He stops, fixes them up, puts the new tire on. This is an NHL hockey player. I mean, the, the, the stuff like that, he didn't want to get out, but 
the, the family made sure that it did get out by calling the news stations. He does that all the time. Like, he's behind the scenes. We watch these guys interact with kids. You know, it seems like every other night there's a family here uh, in need or a family here that's, you know, for the first time, kids that are coming down by the locker room. Dumba's out there taking pictures, signing things. A great example for the younger players, a great leader in that room. Uh, and, yeah, I, I hope it's not his last home regular season game because he brings so much to this organization, uh, not just as a hockey player but as a human. Let's talk a little bit uh, about what we'll see in the uh, the final regular season game against Nashville. We saw Brock Faber against Chicago. Would imagine we see him again. Mm -hmm. And guy who, uh, not a bad debut in his uh, <laughs> first game in a wild sweater. I really liked what I saw. And it's one game. But when you look at the adverse adversity that he had to deal with, knowing that he played a late-night heartbreaking game, final game of his college career, losing a national championship in overtime, flying home, landing somewhere in the wee, wee hours of Sunday morning, resting up, hopping on a plane, and going down there and playing your very first NHL game, you got to be pretty impressed with what you saw. Led the team in minutes, led the team in block shots with six. And then just talking to Dean Everson and Bob Woods uh, earlier tonight before the game about the poise they saw, um, he's absolutely in consideration to be on, on the ice come playoff time. We'll see how that plays out, but uh, I think you'll see him in Nashville. I just got a chance to talk to Brock uh, leaving the ice after that ceremony we had post-game, and uh, I know he really wants to play, and he's very excited <laughs> about getting back out there. Um, it's been a dream of his for a long, long time, and that picture that was on Twitter of him as recent as maybe a few months ago in some of the best seats in the house, but on the glass cheering on a Kirill Kaprizov goal and now he's out there as a teammate of his. It's pretty surreal. Yeah, it's just just one of those fun Minnesota <laughs> hockey moments that we uh, we love so much. Um, Fleury got the start tonight. Gustafson, I would imagine, gets the start Thursday. What do you think about both goalies heading into the postseason? Well, I like both of their most recent starts. I thought Fleury gave the, the Wild a chance to win the night. Those first two goals, I didn't think he had any chance on. Uh, a weird goal there that kind of gave the Jets that extra cushion late. Um, Flower looked to make a, a play with his stick and get that paddle down to prevent that pass from coming to the slot. Once it got through, he, he was in a very prone position, but... Uh, back to Gus. I mean, I, what I saw in Chicago, another brilliant performance, right? I mean, the Wild get out shot 42-22. to 22. He was remarkably calm. He was good. And just from talking to the coaches and just the way this thing lines up, I think they're setting it up for Gus to start game one. I believe both goalies are going to have a chance to make an impact on this postseason. So we'll see how it plays out. If Gus starts game one, let's say you're on the road in Dallas or Colorado and he wins, I think they'll ride him. All of a sudden, the Wild lose game one, they'll come back with Flurry. So it's a great situation to have because you have two quality goalies. You have a young kid that's come of age. You have a veteran that's won three cups. And it's a real nice balance that you've got, and they play a completely different style in the net. So it's very difficult within a series for a team to lock in on one style of play because you game plan differently when you attack the net when Gustafs is in goal compared to when Marc-Andre Fleury's there. So it's uh, we talk about the Wilds' depth at all positions, and certainly they have it between the pipes. Final one I want to talk about, Kevin, uh, special teams power uh, penalty kill was stifling tonight. Winnipeg could hardly get anything going on any of their power play looks. Um, power play for the Wilds. They did everything that you could expect without scoring a goal in that first power play of the second period. So I know with the five on three, they don't get the goal, but boy, they really gave Hellebuck a challenge on that one. Yeah, and I think if they can get the puck in the zone, that'll be step one when we get to the postseason is to tell what this hockey team has always been the amount of zone time they create. Once they get in the zone, they're fantastic. Sometimes they get a little cute 
through the neutral zone. They got to button some of that up. They've got to maybe sometimes chip it in soft and go and retrieve that puck because once they get that puck set up on the attack and the power play, I love the skill and create creative play that they bring. And you think of Zuccarello, you think of Kaprizov, now Bam Boldy and his patience, they'll be just fine. The neutral zone will be key. Entering the zone clean will be key. The rink shrinks come playoff time, so that will be the biggest challenge. Penalty kill now has killed 25 of the last 26. When Johansson scored that shorty last night in Chicago, it was a franchise record 14th short-handed goal. They had two last year. And from going back to training camp, Seth, the coaching staff said, we're going to be more aggressive. We're going to use our speed and skill on the penalty kill to our advantage. And that aggressive penalty kill has been a difference maker all season long, and I think they're going to give teams fits come playoff time. All about uh, getting through that final game without any injuries, and we'll see what happens uh, beyond that. But uh, the Wild fall tonight 3-1, to and that'll do it for tonight's Locked on Wild postcast. Kevin, thanks for joining uh, live from the arena, and uh, we'll do plenty more of this as the postseason gets going. We'll have a preview for you as well uh, sometime this weekend uh, as we gear up for uh, whoever it officially ends up being uh, come next week. But uh, listeners, make sure you keep tuned in to Lockdown Wild as we keep you up to date with everything going on the rest of this week and the rest of the postseason as well. You can find all of our content, daily episodes, as well as pre- and post-game at Lockdown Wild on YouTube and on your favorite podcast platforms as well. So check the show out, and uh, we will see how things play out here as the rest of the season unfolds.